Hey, well, good morning again. I'm Pastor Lindsay. Uh, so good morning and welcome to anyone who's, everyone who is joining us from downstairs in the traditional sanctuary space, everybody who's listening to us from home or via podcast later. We're so glad to spend this time and this morning um, together. Um, my dad and my stepmom live in western New York, and several years ago, they bought um, a new house, which is so great for them. I'm, I'm happy for them, and it's, it's perfect for them in this stage of life. Um, but before they lived in this house, they had bought a little old house in western New York on Lake Erie, and they had turned it into a bed and breakfast. And I loved that house. <laughs> um, and so I'm so glad for them. Uh, but it, it was this amazing house for a number of reasons. I loved it. It was on the water. Um, it was a historic house. If you went down into the basement, you could see it had been used in the Underground Railroad. And so people who were enslaved would be in the basement. And there was this archway that had been um, bricked up that you could still see where people would go into the boats that were on the, on the lake. And they would sail across to Canada. Um, and so I loved that. And it was beautiful. And one other thing that I loved about this house was it was not my dad's property, but it right next door, right behind their house, were all of these vineyards. And so I could sit on my dad's porch and I would just look out and I would just see row after row after row after row of all of these vines and this vineyard. And so I loved to sit there. And I think part of why I loved to sit there and look at the vineyards um, was because of all of the imagery in scripture about vineyards. And so I'm, you know, I get kind of caught up in a lot of that kind of stuff as well. I have a picture of some vineyards here. This is not at my dad's house, but this is kind of what it looked like if you would just sit, except there would be a few more houses in the back there. Um, but, but it was just, it was really cool to be able to sit and, and to look out over that. Um, we're in a sermon series right now that's called In Plain Sight. And so what we're doing each week is we're taking an object that's an everyday object, something that's in plain sight that you would see, that you would touch, that you would interact with. And we're using that object to look at the life of Jesus and specifically to look at the cross and to think about the gospel and what it means for us today. So we've looked at things like bread and coins. Um, and if you're here in person today, hopefully when you walked in, you got some great uh, did everybody get some grapes? So um, if you're at home, if you have grapes, maybe go and grab them. Um, I love this idea of holding things, touching things, smelling or tasting them when we're considering ideas, right? Because I think there's all these different ways that we learn. And so I wanted, I, I love this whole series and I wanted us to be able to touch and to hold some grapes because we're going to be talking about fruit today. Um, and, and that's I think um, this series happening, especially during Lent, is really meaningful. So Lent is this 40-day period that happens right before Easter. Um, and historically, kind of starting about the 4th century, Lent was a time period where they would um, use this time to prepare people for baptism. So Easter Sunday was a really popular day for people to be baptized. And so they wanted to really prepare people and to make sure that they understood what they were doing in following Jesus and being prepared to be baptized. And so I think what is true then and is also true now is that a lot of times it's easy for us to think about Easter and to think about Jesus and to be happy about the fact that Jesus gave his life for us because we can easily recognize the things that we get from that, right? the benefits that, that Jesus brings us in offering himself to us. And this time period during Lent was one where they wanted to make sure that people also understood what it meant, not just that Jesus gave his life for them, but that we are giving our lives and following after him. 
And so this imagery of baptism, of, of this, you know, dying with Christ and being raised to new life with him was this thing about Lent that it became a focus of saying that the part, there are parts of this story that include death and that include suffering, that include sorrow and lament. And so many of the times of our church calendar are high periods where we celebrate triumph and resurrection and hope and all of that. And this is a time that really gives name and pause to saying, hey, there's a full around way of viewing who Jesus is, the story that he's writing, and how we follow him in that and interact um, in this space, right? Joining our lives with him in death. Um, So I like things like grapes. I like things like Lent because I think they give us handles. I talk about handles a lot because I think some of the ideas that we read about in the Bible or that we talk about are kind of hard to grab onto. It's hard to really understand them. And so when we have things like this, it just gives us an on-ramp, something to hold onto and to consider what we're talking about when we talk about these ideas um, in the Bible or what Jesus was teaching. Um, So I, I think they help us as we grow as disciples, and as we talk about like being changed and, and being transformed, we um, we talk about transformation here. It's one of our core values, right? Where we say that we believe that in following Jesus, that He actually changes us and transforms us into more of who He created us to be. That we are transformed, right? That we actually follow Him and we mature. And so I've been thinking about that and thinking, what does it actually mean or look like for us to mature? And one of the images that we find in the Bible about maturing is fruit. And so I want us to look at um, a Bible passage together today that um, may be familiar to you. Um, It comes from John chapter 15. And these are the words of Jesus. So if you're reading in your Bible, it would be in red letters. Um, But this is the Gospel of John. So John was a a disciple of Jesus. He was with Jesus. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, he was a leader in the early church. And he wrote this Gospel um, to tell everyone about Jesus and his life and his ministry. And he included stories about Jesus and teachings of Jesus. And this is one of the teachings of Jesus. So John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Okay, so as we're thinking about how does maturity happen, how does fruit grow, right? If fruit is one of the images that the Bible gives us for this, how does it actually happen, right? There's some mystery in this when we think about seeds and how seeds actually grow and turn into plants that produce fruit, But one of the things that we learn when we look at this Bible verse um, and the way that they're talking about this is that the way that you produce fruit, Jesus says, in our lives is by remaining in him, right? Remain in me is what Jesus says. So in the previous chapters of John, um, up until verse 15, Jesus, or John is talking about following Jesus and what it is to come to Jesus. And so here in this chapter, he's talking really to people who have already decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. And so if you're someone who has decided, I want to follow Jesus, or you consider yourself a Christian, this is when your ears would perk up and you would say, oh, 
this is for me, right? This is something for me to pay attention to. This is something that I can learn from. Um, and if you're considering Jesus still, this is still something that you can look and, and say, oh, well, what does it mean to actually follow Jesus? So, so Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, right? And you are the branches. And so you remain in me and together we bear fruit. And so Jesus is really saying that the purpose of this vine, the purpose of this plant is to produce fruit, and so when we think about what is it to follow Jesus, um, we, we can know that it's something more than just an intellectual decision. It's more than just an idea or a belief that we have. Um, it's, it's more than even just worship. Richard Rohr talks about this. He talks about how we can come to a place and we can worship. We could sing a song. We could say, Lord, you are holy and you are righteous. And then we could leave that building and we could go live our lives however we really wanted to. And that doesn't mean that that wasn't worship happening in that place, right? What does it mean to actually follow Jesus and to produce fruit, right? This image that Jesus is talking about gives us an idea of what it is to follow him, that actually as a branch, you get grafted into the vine, that there is something that happens where we are actually connected to the Lord, right? So following Jesus is something of this considering, is Jesus really who he says he is? What is he teaching, Right? What is his life like? What is his ministry like? And then we take this step, and then we take the next step, and then we would take the next step. And we recognize that somehow in this great thing that we are invited to be grafted into the vine, where we not only receive, but we get to participate in the life and the mission of God's kingdom that he came to bring. So following Jesus is this all-encompassing, like, hey, we're just getting close to the vine, right? We're being in the presence of the vine. We're getting um, near to the teachings of Jesus and saying, hey, how can I participate in this thing that you're doing and what you're teaching? So when we think, what is it to grow and how do we grow in that, right? So there, there's this reality of like remaining in Jesus. Um, and, and then we can see in this that there is this recognition that pruning is part of the process, um, and I really, I don't know about you, but I don't love this. <laughs> I don't love this idea, right? I, I think all of us really like the idea of growth and addition and like increase and prosperity. Uh, my husband Ryan and I talk about this kind of in a joking way where we would just talk about everything like being up and to the right. You know, if, if everything was like a bar graph, isn't it all supposed to be getting better and better and up, up, up? So if something happens in our life, if our car breaks down or, you know, somebody gets sick or something, we're just like, what? This doesn't feel right. This isn't up and to the right. What's happening, right? Because doesn't our culture teach us that everything is supposed to be improving and increasing and getting better? And, and somehow in all of this, we are learning that actually with, with growth with Jesus, that there is pruning that takes place. Right? Lent reminds us that suffering and sacrifice is part of the story. Right? Part of our life cycle in Jesus includes cutting back. It includes some kind of decrease, some thinning out. And, and I think, you know, this is something that's a little bit tricky for some of us because it, it goes against the narrative of what the rest of our life and our culture and Instagram and everything else teaches us, right? That things should be improving and should be getting better. And so there is loss and there is correction and there's redirection and there's kind of a taking away. And there's some stuff that happens in our life that doesn't always feel like triumph, but feels like loss. That's a cutting away. 
So in order for us to understand this a little bit more, um, I think understanding the imagery of what Jesus is talking about would be helpful. So I want us to talk about um, what pruning looks like and how it works in a vine. Um, like in a grapevine, okay? So we're gonna do a little bit of a plant lesson. Um, if you've heard me preach before, you may know I like to do little lessons like this, word studies, geography, something. Today we're gonna learn about plants um, because it's helpful, right? Jesus is talking about plants, and so we're gonna do that too. Um, and so one of the things that we can think about and consider um, is like photosynthesis, okay? So we'll start with photosynthesis, which if, if you took high school biology, you may remember um, that it is, it's a miracle, photosynthesis is. It's this process by which um, plants use sunlight, oh yes, here it is, sunlight, um, and to water and carbon dioxide, and it converts them into energy, right? And so it produces sugar and these sugar-based elements that it uses for energy in its life. And so we have plants that have this photosynthesis, and there's really two main things that plants produce in photosynthesis. Well, I should say that grapevines produce. I only studied the grapevine parts, not all, of, not all plants. Um, okay, so we have um, two main things that photosynthesis produces. Okay, the first thing is cellulose, okay? And cellulose is like the main structural component of a plant. Um, and it's the part that actually um, makes up the roots, right? The trunk, the leaves, the wood part, um, the, the actual kind of weight-bearing part of the vine. And then photosynthesis also produces different sugars, right? The sucrose, the fructose, the things that are used to actually make the fruit and the grapes. So you have the sunlight and you have the water, right? You have the, the, the energy production that's happening and it can go to one of two places. It can go either into cellulose and produce, right, the structure of the vine and all of the roots and things, um, or it can go into the sugars that are needed to produce the fruit. And so if you're a vine dresser, if you are a gardener who is taking care of vines, you're gonna pay attention to this, right? Because getting the balance is really important in order for you to have a healthy and a fruitful vine. So why, why does this matter, right? Why am I giving you a plant lesson? I think why I really wanted us to know this is because I think this is something that the first audience of Jesus would have known automatically, right? That, that you can have a really big, leafy, healthy-looking, strong vine that cannot produce any fruit, Right? You can have something that looks alive, but is functionally dead. It can have so many leaves and, and vines and all of this stuff, right? And you would look at it and you would just say, wow, that looks great, doesn't it? But practically, if all of the energy, all of the photosynthesis is going to the glucose, to, to, or I mean the cellulose, to make the structure, the stability, the branches, the leaves and it's not able to make enough of the sugar that's needed to produce the fruit, then it's not gonna be making any grapes. So you can have a vine that looks amazing and that looks healthy, but actually is functionally dead because the life is in the fruit. The seeds are in the grapes on the vine. And so that is where the life of the plant continues on. And so if you don't have enough energy that's going to producing the fruit, then you will have something that maybe on the outside looks good, but functionally is not. One of the invitations, I think, of this teaching for us um, 
is to notice where our energy is going, right? For us to pay attention, right? We don't have photosynthesis, but we do have resources. We do have energy. We do have things that we're putting into our lives. And, and to say, right, what are the ways that we have structures in our lives, whether it's in our families or in our church, in institutions, in these things that give us real stability, and, and our, the presence of them in our lives matters, right? One of the things that's true about vines is they need that. And in the roots, there, there's actually life-giving nutrients that's stored in the roots, right? So this is a necessary part of having a healthy vineyard, right? But, but all of the trunks and all of the branches are the means. They're not the end, right? The point of the vine is to produce fruit, the point of having the vineyard is so that you can have the grapes. And so Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, right? And you are the branches. And together, we're going to produce fruit. And so there is this invitation for us to think about what the listeners of Jesus would have already known. How, how does my vine look, right? Is it leafy? Is it green? Is there fruit on there? Where's my energy going? What are the, the resources that I am putting into production of things? And are there ways that I am focusing on things in my life, in structures that are in place or around, that are actually taking up a lot of energy but aren't moving me towards the purpose that God has for me in my life? Because the purpose of the plant is to be fruitful, Right? The purpose of our lives is to live these fruitful lives where we're growing into maturity. Um, I was taking a walk yesterday with one of my friends, and um, she lives up in Huntersville, and so we went to this coffee shop. And next to the coffee shop, there was this empty storefront, and you could see inside that it had some signs that it was a place that sold like um, smoothies and acai bowls and stuff. And um, I, I was talking with her about it, and she was just like, oh, yeah, um, yeah, that, that place, you can't actually go and, and buy anything there. And I was like, well, what do you mean? It used to be like a computer programming or fixing store. You would take your computer there, and they would fix it. And so they, they gutted the whole thing. They put all of this energy and all of this money and all of these resources into making this a beautiful place to, that you could go and, like, get an acai bowl. And they had the furniture, and they had the counters. They had the menu on the wall. They had, like, the QR code, all these things, right? And you would look at it. They had hung signs up, she told me, for opening day. And then it all just went away. The signs went down. When we were there, the QR code was there, and we tried to scan it. It was it was just shut down. And, and I was thinking about this and just, I thought it was remarkable that all of this energy and all of this effort and all of this stuff went into making something that was intended to produce a product that it never made. And I thought about that in relationship to us, into our lives, and thinking about what is it that God is inviting us into? What does it mean for us to live these fruitful lives where we're growing in maturity after him, where we're following after him, and we're bearing fruit? And is it possible that for some of us, there's all of this energy and resource and things that we're doing? It's not like we're not doing anything. But is it that, that there are ways in which God is wanting to redirect us, wanting to prune us, wanting to remove certain things in our lives that actually aren't leading to fruitfulness as we're following after him? 
Um, one of the other things that I think is worth paying attention to about um, vines is that the grapes actually only grow on shoots. So we're going to do a little bit more um, plant lesson. Okay, so um, I have... Um, a diagram, I think. Okay, yes. So this is sort of a drawing diagram of what a vine looks like. And so it, you have the trunk, right? And this is kind of a hard wooden part. And then the trunk branches off into these cordons. And then you have a cane that branches off of that. And so these are all really structural, um, firm, woody parts of the plant. And off of the cane, you have shoots. And the, the fruit, the grapes, only grow on the shoots. You will never find a bunch of grapes growing like on the trunk, right? Or directly on a cordon, any of these hard wooden parts. The fruit only grows on the shoots, right? And, and I, I, this, is, it, this is significant for us to think about in the way that we would say, actually, the weakest part of the plant is what produces the fruit, when we think about a vine and where its structure comes from, right, where does its stability come from and what is producing the fruit, it's, it's interesting to me that the, the product, the, the grapes, only come on the shoots of the plants, right? The parts that are not pliable, the parts that are older, the parts that um, are like this harder wood, they actually aren't producing new life. Jesus said, I am the vine, right? I, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And so when we think about in terms of where do we get our strength, right? Where does the strength come from? The stability of the vine comes from Jesus, right? Jesus, who is the vine, we are the soft, tender branches that get grafted into Jesus, and sometimes we think we want, we want to be the strong ones, right? We want to be the ones that are impressive. We want to be the ones that, that have this image of control and strength and power. Like literally yesterday, we had company over, and I was like bragging to our company about how my daughters can do pull-ups, right? I was thinking about that. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, why did I even do that, right? Like, I could have talked about so many things about them. I could have talked about, like, just how wonderful they are and how loving they are to each other or, like, how kind they are. I could have talked about how patient they are when the dog eats their toys or, you know, like, all of these, like, qualities that are really cool. But, like, instead I was talking about how their arms work. And, you know, and I'm just like, okay, right? And I was thinking about this message, right? It's so easy for us to fall into these ways of thinking about life and about ourselves and about where our strength comes from. How do we identify ourselves? Where is our foundation and our like solidity of, of like our, our lives? I think like one of the, the gifts of this image that Jesus is using is reminding us of this picture of strength and weakness that Jesus is the source of our strength, that he is the one who is the foundation upon which we build our lives, and that the life that he invites us to produce and to join with him, it, it, it just is kind of lets us off the hook in a sense and invites us to bring our authentic, vulnerable selves 
and to realize that in those spaces of vulnerability is where new life comes. It's where goodness can thrive. It's where the purposes of God can be realized in us, right? What is our purpose, right? To bear fruit, to know him, to understand something about his love and to grow with him. And it's in these spaces of um, vulnerability, right? Not, not looking impressive, but actually showing up um, in, in our weakness. Somebody said to me um, this past week, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I thought, well, just stitch that on a pillow and put it on my couch. I, love, I just like thinking about that, right? Where it was just this, this idea of invitation of like, in relationship to this, like what, what's the new thing God's doing? Right, what is, what is the breath of like fresh air that's coming through in what God is doing and saying and how he's moving in our lives, even in this church and this community, right? How is God at work here now today? And how new life comes in some of these kind of fresh things that God is doing and that God is about. And we need the stability and we need the structures in order to build that life, right? But there's this kind of balance that comes and this invitation for us to remember um, that the fruitness, right, the sweetness, the fullness comes from new growth, from new things, of new ways that God is at work in our lives and in our hearts. What he's showing us today about his character and who he is and how much he loves us and inviting us to like experience something of that that's fresh and that's new and to see what buds and what grows and what bursts into life from that. So when we're thinking about um, Lent and the way of Jesus, right? we can remember um, that the way of Jesus is about surrender and it's about giving things up, right? And so this idea of pruning or of, of joining Jesus in that is something that brings new life and leads us into um, his kingdom, right? This is a way that fruitfulness grows. Now, one of the things that is true about this um, part of the Bible that we're reading in John 15 is that uh, Jesus and John don't describe what the fruit is in this section. And so, you know, there's, there's, some element of mystery and invitation for imagination for how God might grow fruitfulness in our lives and what that might look like. Um, there are other places in the Bible where fruit is described. Um, and so I want us to read a verse from Galatians chapter 5 that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, if you grew up in church, you may know songs that have this um, in, in them, this line, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So Paul is writing this letter. Paul was um, an early church leader in the first century church, and he planted churches, and he was teaching people about what it looked like to follow Jesus. And so he was telling them about what it looked like to have the evidence or the fruit of the Spirit of God living in you. 
right? Those of us who are followers of Jesus, right? We talk about the reality of the Holy Spirit living within us, that we are carriers of the presence of God, that he comes and indwells within us, and that it is this reliance on the Holy Spirit that we can learn to live in and to reflect his love and all of those things, right? And this is part of transformation. And when that happens, when the the um, Holy Spirit is developing fruit in our lives, Paul says, these are some of the characteristics that we'll start seeing in us, right? These, these are the qualities that we can look for when, um, when we see that the Holy Spirit is there. And I don't know if you've ever looked kind of at this list before and thought about it, but one of the things that I notice about this list kind of every time I read it is that a lo- these are these are really soft kind of qualities, right? That these are qualities that are love, right? And peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, right? Goodness. So these are, these are things that when you name them are not always the words that we think of when we think of strength. And so I am often surprised, not just by what's on the list, but by what's not on the list, Right? I'm often surprised. I mean, I, I mentioned before I was talking about strength, right? And my kids being strong, right? But, but strength is not listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit. There are other things that are not on the list that I kind of really wish were included on the list. I don't know if you have things that you might think. But, like, for one thing, correctness isn't on there. And I just think that maybe, like, the fruit of the Spirit being correctness would be something that I would want to add to the list. But God in his wisdom did not include correctness on the list. God in his wisdom included these other qualities, right? I I don't know what maturity always looks like. But one of the things that we can know is that when we're growing in maturity, when fruit is being developed in our lives, these qualities are going to be part of it. So if you get into a disagreement with someone, and at the end of the disagreement, there is this kind of reality that says, oh, well, you were right, and you were unkind, then we have a question that says, am I growing in maturity? If, um, if at the end of your life, if someone were to say, hey, what word would describe this person? And they would say gentleness, right? This man was a gentle man. This woman was a gentle woman. I think some of us might be really happy with that, and others of us might be unhappy with that. I don't know, but like, I, I don't know a lot about superheroes, but I can't think of any Marvel characters where their superpower was gentleness, Right? Like, this is not a quality that we tend to esteem. If you were going to make a list of things that you wanted to be known for, right, what would be on your list? Some of the things that might be on my list might look different than this. And so there's just an invitation for us to consider what does maturity look like? What is the fruit that's growing in our lives? And what do we want that to be? So Jesus, um, in teaching about the vine and the fruit and these grapes, right, there's an invitation for us to consider, right, this invitation for us to think about God's kingdom, right, the, the way that it looks and the way that it shows up. Jesus said, I am the true vine, Right in, in the Hebrew scriptures, Israel was, was thought of as the vine. And so Jesus is coming and he's saying, no, 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 I'm the true vine. 
not Israel, not the temple, right? Not your institutions. For us, we might think of what are some of the things that would give us stability? What might we look to for trust and for stability in our lives? Right, what, is, what do we look to to be our vine, right? It's not our bank accounts. It's not our gym memberships. It's not even our families, right? Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am your source of life. And you get to be grafted in me. So not only do we think of that in terms of what the kingdom is, but the way that it comes and being grafted into the kingdom and the fruit that's developed, God's kingdom doesn't come through triumph and through power over. The fruit that grows in our lives comes in these vulnerable spaces. And the fruit that develops are these qualities of God that are not um, always what we think of in terms of strength. Right? His, his kingdom comes and his, his spirit enables us to reflect his love. And sometimes there's a temptation for us to settle for impressive instead. And so I think for us, right, there's this invitation to say, what is it that God is inviting me to do and how fruit might show up? And if you have your grapes, I want, I want to invite you to like, just to hold your grapes, to maybe just take them out. And I just want, just for a second, for us to be reflective. I want to read um, this verse from the middle of Jesus' teaching in John 15. And he says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So when Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches, when he says, I am the vine and you're the branches and you're grafted in me and together our purpose is to produce fruit, we're trying to lead you to a place where you and I are, are partnering together and seeing the kingdom come. And he says, I'm telling you these things, I'm teaching you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So I'm not sure where you are in your own journey of following Jesus, right? but I do know that there is an invitation for you and for me and for all of us to live a life of fruitfulness and that that invitation comes not with judgment but with joy. At the heart of this teaching is that the joy of the Lord might be in us and that our joy might be full. So this is good news, right? This fruit in our lives is what is developed when we're in the presence of the Lord, when we're grafted in, and when we remain in him. And so this invitation is not just to have grown fruit in past seasons and not just to remember that we were once fruitful, but there's an invitation for us to journey with Jesus and to recognize that there are seasons in our lives and that we can expect that we will have lives of fruitfulness for the duration that we're following Jesus. Not that every season is one of fruitfulness, but that we get more than just one season, right? That this is an ongoing journey of following Jesus. And so especially during Lent, I want to remind us all that we are invited to be grafted in and that sometimes the way of fruitfulness comes not through addition, not through adding things, but through taking things away. And what might the Lord be inviting for you to take away that might give you space to see and experience more of his goodness? 
So I just, I want you to imagine a vineyard, and I want you to imagine our vineyard in terms of South Park Church. If you could imagine that each of us, right, was a part of this, these rows of vines, and on those vines was developing fruit, right? Can you picture our vines as the fruit grows and matures on them? Right? Can you imagine like the sweet smell of grapes that's developing? Can you imagine the joy and delight of seeing and experience even more of the fruitfulness and the goodness of God among us? Right? This, this is my hope for us today, like as we're considering fruit and as we're thinking about Lent and we're thinking about the cross and the reality of what Jesus did for us to break the power of sin on our lives so that we can follow him into life and knowing that his life brings fruitfulness for us. So may that be true for you and for me um, today.